Football on off the ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. Now then, you're very welcome back, Pat Nevin. Good evening. Hello. And how are you, Joey? Well, very well, very well. Interesting times. So the weekend just gone, we had the likes of rugby and cricket and horse racing and golf and I guess ironically all the establishment middle class sports uh, proceeding. Premier League and football at all levels, interestingly, right down to grassroots, decided to hold off. The rationale seems to have been uh, the Queen and uh, William are, are patrons of the FA and therefore that was the driving logic. It seems the Premier League only met for 20 minutes, although... Now next weekend is very much in jeopardy, so this will all be very condensed. It will be. Um, certainly football can't actually see all the things it probably feels. There's there's a fear factor certainly involved in it as well. They didn't want to get it wrong um, because they'll get so much abuse if they get anything wrong. So they kind of, uh, they err on the side of caution, uh, the football folks. So that's why, you know, everything was you know, taken off. There is that huge fear that, um, you know, if there is you know, minute silence, or hopefully these days a minute's applause, because minute silence is just too dangerous most of the time. Um, it only needs one person or a couple of people, and you've you've everyone would say football is a disgrace. Um, so that there there was a delicacy there. There's no doubt they didn't say that out loud because that say that sounds like football fans can't be trusted. And in actual fact, some football fans will say rightly, "Oh no, I don't feel that way. I don't feel the way other people do." Um, but it would make the whole game look terrible. So uh, I think that's one of the reasons why they've tried to be ultra-cautious about it. Uh, but eventually, the game's will need to start. Mm. So football has this heightened sense of being likely to be uh, criticised and, and publicly I'm re- condemned 100%, by comparison yeah. with rugby and all the other sports. It, it has got a heightened sense of there's, there's no doubt about that. Because and it, whether it should or whether it shouldn't, you could argue all day long. But it has got that horrible heightened sense because in the past, the things have gone wrong in football a lot more regularly with um, people who have used football. Um, and certainly all the way back to when I played, you know, people did use it and embarrassed the game, embarrassed all of us. And, you know, it's not like that anymore or not as bad anymore. But uh, certainly the fear factor would have been part of uh, the reason why some of the games went off. But now it's more... A case as go forward, it's about policing issues, etc. You know, it's uh, have they enough police to be able to police the games? I mean, specifically, the London games are going to be difficult, you know, around the time of uh, Queen Elizabeth's funeral. Well, the latest reporting so Arsenal PSV is off on Thursday, that's a London game. It would seem Manchester United Leeds against Sunday now expected to be off as well, based on conversations between the two clubs. Certain games require more of a police presence, so. It seems the Queen will be lying in state for uh, the next couple of days and there will be, Pat Nevin, I don't know if you'll be in the queue, I suspect not, uh, 20-hour queues to see the Queen lying in state. So if that lives up to its billing, that is a lot of police. And so uh, all... Uh, it's complicated. Police always takes, always takes precedence. You know, again, back to times when I was the chief executive of a club, everybody thinks it's the FAs and the leaks that make the decisions. In the end, the police can just say, no... And that's you. You're stuffed. Mm. There's nothing you can do. Absolutely nothing you can do. You don't even need to give you a reason. And quite often, my memory is we, we didn't get a good reason. We got a, this is why we're doing it. If you come back with anything, they, they didn't discuss it or argue it. They just say, this is why it's happening. And off they go. And, you know, you see, so you're stuffed, really. Mm. Um, 
And I mean, I understand because to some degree, the policing is going to have to be kind of huge for what's going to be going on in London, I suspect. But uh, it's kind of weird because every football fan feels the same now. I mean, I'm I'm off to Chelsea for the game Wednesday night against Salzburg. I think I'm supposed to be going down to Spurs at the weekend. I think mm. Liverpool, Chelsea. I think I don't know. And and many many people. I'm all right. You know, I'll, I'll deal with it. But there's many people that are flying in from all over the world and planned these for a long, long time. It's, it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough for, for football fans. It always has been, but this is a particularly difficult time. So in the past week, Chelsea have lost and found a new manager. As you said, they play Salzburg Wednesday and then Liverpool need to reboot their season uh, pretty quickly. They play Ajax Anfield tomorrow. Let's start with Chelsea then. Uh, Thomas Tuchel has released a statement saying this is one of the most difficult statements I've ever had to write. It's one I hoped I would not need to do for many years. I am devastated my time at Chelsea has come to an end. This is a club where I felt at home, both professionally and personally. It was interesting over the weekend. Jonathan Northcroft, for instance, had a really interesting piece in The Times. And he was certainly reporting a sense that Tuchel and Bowley was a case of water and oil. And we'll come on to Bowley and why he's picked Potter. But in effect, it seems Bowley is more into holistic type of management. And and that's one of the reasons he's picked uh, Potter. So one of the anecdotes in the piece was that uh, Bowley came on the team bus after Chelsea had been beaten by Arsenal 4-0 on a pre-season tour. And he offered, as Jonathan Northcroft reports, reassuring words to the players, as in not the end of the world and, you know, everyone's great. Uh, Tuchel apparently was scoffing at the speech when Bowley left the bus. This was not the way that Tuchel obviously would have uh, viewed a 4-0 defeat. So it seems uh, this was just a mixture that was never going to last very long. Um, no, and this, I've got this horrible feeling where I've been there before. And it's so close to something I've lived through. Um, I mentioned the fact of my time at Motherwell when, uh, and, and I came in as chief executive and the owner had just bought the club and there was a manager in place. And it was perfectly nice. It was perfectly okay. And it became clear, so clear so quickly that wasn't going to work. There's nothing wrong with the guy. Nothing wrong with the, his management. You know, it just wasn't of the same viewpoint, you know, ethos, you name it, you know, whatever you want to call it, holistic approach, you know. You can call it anything you like, but it was really, really clear that it wasn't going to work. And I'm sitting there going, I'm chief exec, I'm going to have to sack this guy if we can't find a way around this. And it wasn't nasty things, it was just a different view of how to go forward. One was, I wouldn't call it an old-fashioned view, but a very structured view of how you, you are a football manager. Um, and there are kind of some incredible kind of echoes of that time for me, because, you know, Thomas... Although I've talked to him a few times, it, and it surprises me slightly. He didn't want, apparently, any more control than just the team. And, you know, the idea of going out sourcing players and all that, he didn't want. That's so alien to what we think, you know, certainly in the British game, because we think the managers want control and you know, hold hands on everything, because in the end, it all comes down in them. But moder- but some managers, certainly the guns for hire from abroad, they, they just want to do that job yeah. and concentrate on that job. And that, that really surprised me. And it's clearly not what Bowley wanted. He wants something, as you say, more holistic. It's, it's a wider and bigger. And if I kind of drive that thought a wee bit further forward, 
it's clear that they've looked at where the success is with Manchester United, City, long-term manager, they know what the club's ethos is. Liverpool, long-term manager, then you know what they are, you know who they are, you know what they do. And they've stuck by the manager for a long period of time. So oddly, Chelsea get rid of the manager 100 days into the new regime and people think, oh, it's just like the old one. You might be wrong. You actually might be totally wrong there. It may well be that they're trying to get rid of that concept and get somebody that they know they will work with long term. That's the theory. Yeah. Do you think it'll work? <laughs> well, that's the question you're here to answer because you've, you've taken yeah. me exactly where I wanted to go. At a glance, when we first saw the Tuchel news, I thought, wow, this is just a continuation of Roman Abramovich. And actually, even though Roman might have thought that was a bit harsh on Tuchel. So uh, the briefing, even looking at the uh, dispatches over the last couple of days, the briefing is very much that this is going to be a, a slow burning project. This is a culture shift for the club. Like the LA Dodgers, for instance, their coach has been in place for six years and counting. And the really interesting, you know, Bowley has said of Potter, he has all the IQ. He also has the EQ, as in the emotional intelligence. And they have told Potter, even if you don't make Champions League, you're not getting the sack. This five-year deal is very much a five-year deal. So as you said, the burning question is what happens in May if they're sitting there and Chelsea have finished fifth or sixth and Graham Potter is still espousing a more holistic viewpoint. Exactly. And we, we wait to see that um, because pressures will come um, if it's not successful, if there's not trophies, if there's not Champions League where the money you know really comes from, or a lot of the money comes from, although it would appear that Clearwater aren't exactly skint. So, you know, the, the build will, will certainly go on a little bit. But it's easy to say that. Again, I go back to that time I came into that club. It's a smaller club, but the idea is, look, we're looking at this differently. We've got a mission statement, you know. We're all inclusive. We are all, and all, the, all the flowery stuff around it, right? We did all that. And then two and a half years in, the manager and the chairman can't stand the sight of each other, yeah. each other's guts, because mm. they're human beings. And that's what happens sometimes when there's pressure and there's stress. So that's the sadness of it, that, you know, it... The concept's great. The idea's brilliant. Um, but the pressure cooker that is Premier League football at the top level just asked a, a different bunch of questions. I've got great, I've, I've not got great hopes. I hope that the ideal will work because Chelsea have had this different ethos and their ethos has been quite simple for the last 20 years. Win, win, win. That's the ethos. You know, everything else is kind of secondary or, or non-existent to some degree. You can, you know, Colour in wee bits of it, if you like, and make it look a wee bit more flowery. But that's been the ethos. They're looking at something slightly different now. Um, and it's whether they can stick with that in the long term. And it's exactly, you're asking the question, do I think it'll work? Well, I like Graham Potter. I like his style. And I like the way he plays. And, yeah. and certainly there's one thing over and above everything else. Absolutely over and above everything else about him. See this concept. See the teams that I think have not done well recently. You're at Manchester United underperformed for such a long time. And you know me, I, I get fed up to the back teeth of the superstars saying, oh, I'm not being respected or not putting the work in. And you know, I have no, I just don't go for it, do I? I'll have a go at Ronaldo, I'll have a go at Pogba, I'll, have, I'll just say, look, I'm not having it. I just, you've got to be good enough and you've got to work hard enough, right? I don't care who you are. That's just the way it is. And it seems a wee bit of an old fashioned attitude. No, it's not. That's Potter. That's Graham Potter, without a doubt. If you're not, if it didn't matter how big a name is, he I, honestly, he want people who work solidly with him, 
Um, he's got emotional intelligence and he'll he'll try and bring people along. But eventually, he he's got one base thing at the bottom of it. Got to be a team, and he absolutely lives for that. And uh, he and he's right because that's why Man City are successful. That's why Liverpool have been successful because they're a team, they're a unit, they're a group. Yeah. But then it is quite striking when you see that Todd Bowley has spent 300 million and, for instance, they bring in someone like Aubameyang. Mikel Arteta perceived Aubameyang as a barrier to that exact culture you're talking about Potter wanting to create. And they bring him in because Thomas Tuchel, the manager they're about to sack, has a special relationship with him and a history with him. And they, and it's now suddenly a former manager's uh, players of his choosing. And Potter arrives. And so, you know, first point of friction is Potter turns around and says, you know, that problem Arteta had with Aubameyang? Yeah, I'm discovering the same thing about him, Todd. So uh, all of these pinch points are going to arise, I think. Um, I think he was a slight sop to the situation. Uh, but he, it's a kind of sop. Now, the others, Cucurella, um, that's a more interesting one. You're talking 60s, 70s now, you know, the, the Kulabalis. You know, you're looking at other players there for Fana and you're looking at them and thinking, right, did Graham um, Potter win them? Mm. That, that's a really intense one. Obama has a big name and everybody looks at it. You're kind of taking the eye off the ball. That's a kind of magician's trick of looking at their own place. It's no way you should be looking. You should be looking at the other ones that come in. Were they ones that he would be comfortable and happy with? Uh, and that's a good... Sterling, another one, a classic one. So they spent a lot of money um, and they couldn't have been asking him at the time. You're absolutely right. They no, couldn't they have couldn't. been asking him at the time. So they must have been doing it off, you know, partially Todd Bowley being, you know, that director, but asking people around him as well. It's odd. I grant you, it's very unusual. Um, but they certainly needed they needed to bring players in. There were weaknesses massively at the back. I mean, hugely at the back. They needed two centre-backs, and they've got two centre-backs. And we'll find out in time if they're going to be good enough. Um, but in time, I, I was just suspicion. I've watched Chelsea, another big club for a long time. Two years down the line, if Graham Potter's still there, the team won't look in like it looks just now anyway. Mm. He will adapt and develop that. I think he's getting a guy that quite likes finding out how he can adapt some players. He's, he's changed some players. That Kukurea was a classic example. He was a winger, wasn't he? And then he was fullback, and then he was wingback, and then he finally got his right position. And he does that with some players. You know, he's got the, what are your strengths? I think you could do this job. And when he's moved them, they've been good. So he's got some talented players. Now, I have to say, there's a few players at Chelsea. I don't know if they know their best positions yet. Maybe he might find them. Mm. And maybe the, more the point is less the money and just... It's just like another problem. Like I've inherited somebody that somebody, like somebody found so culturally damaging that they had to like freeze him out and risk the loss of huge amounts of money just to pay him to leave the club. And now we brought him in. So well, the other side of it is, will Potter be able to do that with Aubameyang? Show that emotional intelligence and he's yeah. to do that. And he will give him the opportunities to do that. Um, and certainly that's that will be intriguing. I, I do think we're, I, I felt this scene's been a fabulous fabulously interesting season so far mm. um, because of the likes of Brighton, because of the likes of Leeds United, because of Fulham, because they go and fight and battle and chase everybody and don't care. Newcastle, brilliant. And you're beginning to see wee bits like Liverpool and to a degree Chelsea when they travel away from home, you're thinking, no, I'll take that back, not to a, to a degree Chelsea. Absolutely Chelsea mm. when they've been away from home. They haven't been able to fight and stay with that. And I think there's you're getting to a point where you, if you've got less than less than all 11 given everything at every point in time it's going to show it really is going to show and if you get somebody like Potter on board you'll get that because you probably won't get a game unless you're doing it 
Football on off the ball with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. The best rugby insight and analysis. OTB Sports Rugby. How, how would you argue if Johnny Sexton was to go and win a World Cup with Ireland and lead them to it that he wouldn't be the greatest? Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Football on off the ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. And Liverpool play Ajax tomorrow. Ajax in very reasonable form. They've won their past seven matches. They've kept five successive clean sheets. They've scored 25 goals. They beat Rangers, obviously, in the opening round uh, last weekend. So, you know, they're not a better team than Liverpool, but they come in good form. And Liverpool are not Liverpool right now. So Klopp's been speaking today and he was talking about three, four days of absolute truths over the last couple of days, cleared the air meetings. Uh, he said the Napoli game, he's watched it back several times now, the worst of his tenure. He said eight out of the 11 players were below par and the other three were just normal. They weren't especially good either. Uh, the interesting he said, thing he said in the aftermath of the game against Napoli was we have to reinvent ourselves, which seemed like very dramatic uh, language. You know, several people have said, well, look, it's not his first uh, uh, tongue so maybe he meant uh, reinvigorate <coughs> as opposed to reinvent but regardless uh, there's something gone badly awry here at Liverpool uh, do you suspect this is going to be a season long issue what do you think the issue is as well I suppose is the burning question well you know I've talked about the centre back situation f- a few times and I, I certainly I think you have to look there the fact that um, Van Dijk hasn't had the same centre back just about any week or two weeks in a row this mm. changes all the time Um that whole idea of the fullbacks flying forward and leaving no cover, everyone's beginning to see it really clearly now. And you're now individualising both of those centre backs one on ones all the time. And it's, it's clear what's happening, what, what those what those players are, are having to do. And whereas times gone past, they've managed it, it's getting harder now for them to manage that. Whoever's playing centre back alongside Van Dyke, and of course, Van Dyke's not quite as. You know, controlled and dominant as he's been in the past. Um, I actually, re- I went, I'm, it's hard for me to tell because I was at um, the 9-0 Bournemouth game and they looked pretty damn good in that one. And the thing I thought they'd been missing is creativity from midfield. And I've added a bit of my creativity from midfield. Um, the problem is that may have taken a little bit of the cover and dig out of there. Because you, if you're going to play with two flying wing-backs and it's only a four at the back, one of those guys in those back line must cover. He must cover. The other night it was Milner trying to get there, wasn't it, all the time. But it's got to be someone who reads it and covers and sees it and gets there. Because if you don't and you individualise two people, two and two, one and one, you will get done. You just, you will get done some, sometimes. It will happen. So I think there's got a, they wanted, he wanted to make them a bit more creative, middle to front. But you've got to look behind as well. Yeah. And uh, so it's, is it the players not being able to put it up to that level when they've been asked such high levels before? Maybe. Um, is it the manager saying, right, okay, I try to adapt it to something else, but, you know, as I pushed that bit, that bit shoved out as well, you know, opposite force, you know, strength. So it's really interesting to see. I still think there's a lot of good players there. I still think there's brilliant players there. I still think they'll be pretty successful this season, but it's clear that there is something not quite right and it, to me, I don't know if it's an, there's, even though I was cl- clearly wanting to create more from centre midfield and from deep midfield, they also 
just got to shut the door. And I yeah. don't know if they shut the door well enough. No, they've no legs in midfield. Like, it, James Miller can't be playing all these games. And I know it, in part it's down to injury and the Cato situation is bizarre given that he's going on international duty for Guinea this month apparently but isn't going to be involved for Liverpool until November and he's not in the Champions League squad so I don't know what's going to ride there um, so lack of legs in midfield but also a burning image from Napoli for instance is when um, that brilliant Georgian winger had this amazing game uh, covered Salia we'll all be pronouncing his name much better I suspect over the months ahead there was a point where he knocks it around Alexander-Arnold and goes around the other side of him. And like, to be fair, Alexander-Arnold senses I'm probably beaten here. I'm, I'm unlikely to get back. But it was still a very dangerous moment in the build to one of the goals. And he just starts walking back. Doesn't even trot back. It's like, ah, I'm out of the game here. Now, I understand the temperamental centre forward who, you know, does the whole, ah, I've been, you know, ball's gone ahead of me. I can only walk back now. But this was Alexander-Arnold, last line of defence. That just spoke of something really odd in, in that dressing room and you know we saw Milner with Van Dijk a couple of weeks ago at Old Trafford there's just there's something more than technical and tactical Yeah I, I agree with that the, the Alexander-Arnold one's interesting because a defender and hey by everyone listen here football players male, female you don't care if you're a defender and you lose it you get back don't you mm. that's what we all do that's what you all do and even a half decent winger who gets beat they'll try and get back right they just do it that's what's in the blood right to do that to defend and the idea of something getting beat and then not reacting it's kind of weird like Robertson would never do that Robertson if he got beat he'd get back there get back there get back there. you need to make up for it um, Alexander Arnold, Arnold he's just not a natural defender He's not a very natural defender. He's more natural with all the play in front of him. We, I think everybody knows that. But he's, he's always been seen as a decent defender. But to be fair, has he been asked that many questions that often? I go to watch Liverpool. He spends a vast amount of his time on the right wing, as a right wing, standing right up there. You know, and when the ball goes down into that area, somebody else is going over and covering. So he, he's never, he's not really tested as often. And I suppose if you're not tested that often, you don't find out. Um, but you need to, you cannot make those mistakes. And I, th- I think that Jurgen Klopp will continue to like just get on the top of him. And it may well be that, you know, he just says to him at some point, look, okay, there's going to be a wee while we're going to have to defend, you know, and we might not get quite so many goals from you from those crosses, but choose your times to go as opposed to spend your time standing on the right wing for the entire game. And by the way, that's not a complaint against Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. That's what he's been asked to do for a long time. And it's been very, very successful. But when you've not got the cover in the midfield, and it's it kind of hurts me to do it because see when Liverpool line up, everyone puts them up as a four three three. But then you you look at the heat maps, maps and things like that and see what everybody actually is during the vast majority of the game. Mm. And it's not a four three three. You know, it's two guys at the back. It's two the fullbacks who are basically playing on the wings the vast majority of the time. Elliot, who we all love and is brilliant, is he's a kind of ten and a winger which kind of starts skewing it, and it's no longer a 4-3-3, which it was before. But something I explained the other week as well, you know, uh, Sergio Mane leaves. He, he did a different job, and he created space for Robertson to run into. He's not doing that. They've got Diaz out there or whoever. They don't fly in as often. So there's, Robertson's running into traffic all the time. Mm. So tiny wee train changes happen, and it just takes a few of them, and then suddenly it kind of cascades. So there's a wee bit of that happening with Liverpool, but I still don't think it's massively, massively difficult to change it. And I, I have every expectation that Klopp will bring it back and they'll go on a great run. 
Okay, do you? Okay. Uh, Michael yeah, the other was, thing is, by yeah. the way, the Ajax is going to be tough. I was at the Amsterdam Arena for the Rangers game. Mm. Although Rangers did some of the worst tactical stuff you've ever seen in your life in that first half. It was just ridiculous. I mean, talking about getting tactics massively wrong, that was just Gio van Bronckhorst. He is a good tactician, but he messed it up and it took him 45 minutes to change it. But in that first um, 45 minutes, Ajax looked like the total football Ajax of old. So give Ajax space and they will look damn brilliant, even though they've made all these uh, changes. Mm. Uh, but close them down and you can be made to look quite ordinary again. Yeah. Uh, Michael Owen had the observation. He was on BT Sport after that Napoli game and it was just a throwaway line and he was kind of half thinking out loud. But he was saying, actually, all of these injuries and we're talking Henderson thigh injury. He's going to be out until October. Uh, Canade knee injury. Carvalho thigh injury. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, thigh injury, uh, lower back for Calvin Ramsey, Naby Keita, thigh injury, uh, Andy Robertson, I think a leg injury now, and Curtis Jones, ankle foot injury. So not all of them are soft tissue, but quite a lot of them are. And Owen was kind of making the point, a lot of these are uh, of the training ground. Now, I'm not sure he's totally correct about that and that quite a few of those happened in matches, but he was basically saying... I'm not sure it suits Liverpool and whatever way they're doing things, and I don't know who's in the S&C staff, but he said these six, seven-day turnarounds actually don't suit Liverpool. If they can quickly get into a rhythm now of game every two or three days, game, recovery, game, recovery, that's their rhythm, that's where they're at their best. We don't know what's going on on the training ground, but it is a lot of injuries. It, it is. I have to say, I'm, I've always slightly worried about certain teams where where they play extremely high tempo all the time because everyone goes, oh, the modern players, the modern game, and they're so fit. No, no, they're human beings. And uh, they wear out, and you'll wear them down, and you'll get more injuries when you are pushed to the limits that often. Um, having said that, that you know, the heavy metal football, he did step back for, for a good period of time, yeah. Jurgen Klopp. But the miles are on there. The miles are on the clock for quite a lot of players there. So when you're going to try and play that sort of, football with that sort of intensity and that sort of pace, which they like to do not even just when they're pressing, but when they've got the ball and when they're moving the ball as well. you really got to have a good squad, a depth of squad, where people are given rests at the right time. But they're not able to do that at the moment because they've got so many injuries, which may have been caused by that. If you're now saying, by the way, James Milner, I want you to do it you know, two or three times a week, I don't know if that's... A, I don't know if he can do that. Yeah, I don't think enough. he can. Owen's, Owen's point was actually more so he doesn't like maybe what they're doing in training. He thinks they're, I mean, they're it, better it off having be, two games a week than just the six, seven-day turnarounds. It, it, exactly, but it's a guess. It's it just is a, a guess. guess. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's a guess because every player just wants to do that because it's great fun you're doing it train. Mm. You just go and play games and it's fantastic. Mm. Um, but sometimes it's not the problem that looks right in front of you. It may have been a wider one that is taking a while building. And it's always been in my mind that I, mean, I always worry about players like Salah. You know, he never gets a break. You know, he plays over summers and <clears throat> huge numbers of games every year. And he's just human. He's normal. He's a bloke, you know. He's, he's going to wipe them out at some point in time. And there have been games you watch Mo Salah and however brilliant he is, he just looks gone, you know. And that that's, that's not me slaughtering him. That's me saying the guy needs to be managed correctly. And I think that's the case with quite a number of the players. Um but that's the modern game you know it may well be that footballers don't play seven, eight, nine hundred games anymore they play 
two, three, four hundred maximum, yeah. you know, and get rests in between it if you're going to play at this intensity and this tempo. Because they are being outrun and out sprinted currently, which is a real exactly. break with tradition. And, that, and that's that's the thing. You keep on. So if they're going to go and do what they did before, they need to be outrunning these teams that are younger, haven't been doing it for quite as long, that have got that intrinsic ability to lift it and run it against specific teams. Whereas Liverpool, you kind of almost ask them to do it for every single game. And they've been doing it, as I say, for a long time. <clears throat> and a lot of those players have, have been there for a while. So, and as that classic one, you go and try high pressing. Don't don't try it with seven or eight. You're wasting your time. Mm. It's not very hard. Mm. It doesn't work. You have to have every single player with the possible exception, maybe one. But everybody else must do it. Um, and if you've not got that, and no one, they're not able to do it to the high level, it's a mess. It's a shambles. It doesn't work. Mm. Their problem there, as we uh, hit on a few different things, is there's actually quite a few things for Klopp to fix then. There's mm-hmm. the tactical side of things, there's the personnel issue and the departure of Mane, and then there's uh, some level of fatigue of sorts, be it mental, physical, um, you know, it's hard to put your finger on it, but certainly we're not seeing the same intensity. I mean, there's kind of a myriad things there for him to try and put his finger on, on one is difficult and to solve it is difficult, and maybe this break is a blessing in disguise for them. Yeah. You know, and, and this is the one that Liverpool fans will, well, I've got to say, disagree with me. They'll disagree with, me with everything. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> it kind of doesn't seem to happen as much when Henderson's fit and Henderson's around. It's really weird. And the reason why I mention that, I watch him quite a lot when he plays, and he's not always the big favourite. But I've been in dressing rooms where, like, where there is a guy, and it's, it's not that unusual. It's the guy who gets the booed first, but he's actually the soul of the team. And he's the one where he sets everybody else and nobody switches off when he's there. I just get this feeling that Henderson and his input and his importance to it. Um, and he's not the flashiest player and he's not going to be the best player. And it doesn't, that's not the point. It's the effect that he has on every single player around him when he is actually on that field. Um, and by the way, he's also very good at doing that covering job that we were talking about mm. before. Um, and you just wonder if people are seeing lots and lots of problems. Well, it's not some problems can be they can be sorted quite quickly if you actually get the right one or two in the right places and get everybody doing what they're good at again. Yeah, every team's got problems. Every team almost always has problems. Um, but often we see a, you get a big setting forward who scores 35 goals a season and then he leaves the club and people think, well, we'll look for another one of them. Of course you don't. You look for another idea and it may be two players to do something different. If people always think it's the same thing at least to fix it, and sometimes it's a simple thing that fixes it. And I, I suspect just getting everybody fully fit will fit it as much as fix it as much as anything else. Mm. Well, for the purposes of our conversation, the uh, latest news now is that Chelsea Liverpool is off at half four Sunday in London. So that's a another break for them to try and get everybody back feeling fresh and feeling good. Th- again. Th- thanks for letting me know. I'm supposed to be going to that game, so thanks for letting me know. <laughs> well, you got your Sunday afternoon off. I guess Salah has the month of December off for the World Cup and uh, who knows how all of that plays out, but he certainly doesn't look himself. I mean, I've, I've gen- like there's a general rejection of any notion that uh, akin to our friend Aubameyang who we were talking about, this isn't a case of somebody who's got the big contract and said, right, I can uh, relax now. Uh, whether it's tiredness or something else, he's he's miles off where he was a year ago. Yeah, um, and I do think it's... Um, when you watched at the end of Messi's career and at the end of... Um, certainly Ronaldo's career as well, 
they choose the times. They decide when. Mm. Um, and it's not, it's parts of games. They decide when to run. They decide when to be explosive. They know that they can't do it all the time. And if they do it all the time, they'll just wipe themselves out. They can't do that chasing back every single time. They know they can't do it anymore because they're just going to wipe themselves out. So there's a bit of that with Salah now. Definitely a bit of that with Salah now. And by the way, don't blame them because, you know, the players that are with the, the right will, the best will in the world, want to run themselves into the ground. We'll do that, and then we won't. Or I ran myself into the ground, but you want so you want him up there in the front front third of the field. But there seems to be a wee bit lack of explosiveness at the moment. So the hope is, and maybe the expectation is that he does, you know, get that explosiveness back. But it can you have to be careful because it can go quickly. Um, do you remember last the last season of Eden Hazard? when he was playing at Chelsea mm. and what an amazing player and then someday he just couldn't kick a ball for Real Madrid for a long time there and he scored the other night against Celtic but an absolute shadow of the player he was so you have to keep an eye on it when it's a fade and when it's <coughs> excuse me <coughs> and when it's something else yeah well we'll find out over the next couple of months for sure uh, I suspect it might be a light enough chat on uh, Monday in terms of uh, games over the weekend but we'll talk to you next Monday nonetheless Pat thanks Mill cheers Pat and Evan with us here on uh, Monday evening football and off the ball is brought to you by Sky watch every live Premier League game this season Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports and again the breaking news uh, Chelsea's game against Liverpool is off and Manchester United's game against Leeds uh, off as well Brighton against Crystal Palace on Saturday remains postponed. So that's the latest from the uh, Premier League as we record here. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch every live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports.